So today, if you have to uh, look at the 18 invasions that happened on Jagannath Temple, we know that Somnath was invaded for 17 times. Although Professor Sita Ram Goel and Professor Ram Gopal Mishra uh, declines that theory and makes it 12 times because the Arabic and Persian historians normally has a tendency of exaggerating things. Uh, but 12 times even then, Jagannath Temple is still 18 times and it is not taught in history. Even lot many Uriyas doesn't know that 18 times it was invaded. Namaste to all and uh, we share my presentation. Jagannath Swami Nayana Patagami Bhavatume. May Jagannath Swami, the Supreme Purushottam, be the vision, the object of my vision. With this statement, we will start the session of today, which will try to give a overall synopsis of on the Kalinga as a state or Utkal or Urisa as we know them today. Then we will get into the Sri Kshetram, which is nothing not than Nilachal Puri, a little more insights into the details of Puri. And of course, when we talk of Puri and Sri Jagannath Dham, it is not complete without the Ratyatra, which is the biggest festival there, also known as the International Car Festival. Then a little bit on uh, the Ratakala or the engineering or uh, the art of creating this, you know, enormous uh, ruts or chariots out of wooden logs which is one of the most oldest techniques, oldest arts available in Bharatwash today. And then of course, what to end with, we will touch upon the sacred Mahaprasad for which Puri is very famous of. So let's go to the origin of Kalinga. Now, you know, personally, I always have said that Kalinga is older than civilizations. It is, it is probably one of the oldest, uh, you know, piece of land, uh, just like Kashi or Kurukshetra, where it has been there for ages. And the earliest mention of Orissa or Kalinga Desh can be found in Rig Veda. In Rig Veda, it is often you know, mentioned as Udradesh. Udradesh means Orissa, today's name. So that is the oldest term for Kalinga that is used as Udradesh. Over the ages, you know, Odradesh has undergone various political, military, and religious changes and has assumed different names like Kalinga, Okkal, or Utkal, which are more popular today, or Hirakanda or Mahankantara. You know, these are you know, names which little bit of uh, Jainism or Buddhism also coming in. So as I uh, said that, you know, when I mentioned that religious changes, obviously it has gone through a large cycle of uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism as well. So, and typically, you know, if we look at the history or go down a little bit more into micro details, we will find it has been a land which has been inhabited, inhabited by various tribes from time to time, and it was divided into various sub-regions. Slowly, slowly over a period of time, I would say, if I look at history, which we will cover in the later episodes, uh, after the conquest of uh, Ashoka, in uh, 261 BCE, you know, after that only they started coming into, uh, you know, started joining the regions into from the subregions, and that is when we see, uh, you know, the various kings who were the dominant kings, or rather, I would say it that way, started using the term 
कलिंगाधिपति कलिंगाधिपति विच इज मीन कलिंगा का अधिपति then later on towards the medieval period in the 15th century when the uh, surya vansh uh, you know gajapati dynasty uh, who who had who have contributed a lot to this jagannath temple came in they used to be called as gajapati so gajapati because they had huge battalions or huge regiments of war elephants now interestingly if we go back a little bit uh, many of you may have heard that alexander did not uh, come into the greater part of india because fearing of the onslaught from the nanda army and alexander's uh, you know legions were mostly afraid of the war elephants that they already got a taste of it with porus so purus purus war elephant gave them so much of fright that when they heard that uh mahapatma nanda has a standing army of almost 1 lakh war elephants they were petrified and that is one of the reasons today that we find uh, coming out you know of them going back so now interestingly uh, since mahapatma nanda had the kalinga entire kalinga region under his belt at that point of time you know the the war elephants used to actually come from kalinga desh so kalinga has been historically a place which have been famous for the war elephants and even today if we go down just like you can see in hampi there are you know shades for the war elephants similarly if you go to the temple town of puri or to uh, you know khurda or to jajpur which have been the ancient capitals of uh, you know orissa which we will again cover in our later parts uh, you will find places where these war elephants used to be kept those structures are still there and let me tell you these structures are pretty huge you know today the normal uh, indian elephants that we see they are probably they were probably taller than that now as i said that uttradesh was the earliest names that we find in rigveda but apart from that the kalinga history sri jagannath history utkal history can also be found with traces in skanda puran utkal parva padma puran the rigveda as i said brahmana brahmand puran vamdev samhita kapil samhita and niladri puran now apart from these texts one very important point that i would like to share with our audiences is you know there are three other texts which we will come in our later episodes when we get into the greater details of jagannath temple is the niladri mahodaya the madala paji which is nothing but the written chronicles of this temple now madala paji is extremely important when we discuss the history of kalinga as well as jagannath temple because madala paji starts from somewhere around 800 ce kavanera and it captures everything that has happened with this temple um, since 800 ce beat beat the invasions that has happened uh, beat the rulers various rulers who has contributed to the structures to the booty or treasure you know and uh, or uh, the the you know great saints who have visited this place everything is covered you know in this uh, madala paji and as i said then niladri mahodaya so these are the two texts which i have not mentioned over here but we will cover in greater details in the later episodes and this gives an extremely uh, you know detailed insight about lot of kalinga history and even today lot of i mean most of our historians uh, who have worked on kalinga history be it rc mazumdar kc panipuri or harihar panda you know all of these uh, gentlemen they have uh, also used nila uh, madala paji to a great extent let's move on to our next slide so let's coming to shri kshetram you know shri kshetra as it falls puri is called shri kshetra 
or the Purushottam Shetra. And why it is so, the first point, as you can see, is uh, highlighting to that. And I will quickly, you know, show you. So as you can see, Sri means uh, over here. So Sri means uh, Devi Lakshmi, because she is the consort of Mahavishnu. And this tract of land which is influenced by Sri Shakti is called Sri Shetra. So to, when, when we look at Skanda Puran, when we read Skanda Puran or Padma Puran, in many of those Purans, as I have read personally and find that Devi Lakshmi, you know, describing the importance of this piece of land, the significance, the uh, sacredness of this land, you know, so that's very important. Now, geographically, you know, if we look at it, it is the Sri Shetram, entire Sri Shetra is around 80 miles or 128 kilometers surrounded by golden sands from all sides and facing the Mahadodi. What is Mahadodi? Mahadodi is nothing but the ocean, the Bay of Bengal. And you might ask me why I have used this term Mahadodi because Mahadodi is the term that is actually used in our scriptures in all those name of the scriptures that I shared, uh, you know, which refers to the sea or the ocean. So Orissa is actually the land of Mahanadi and Mahadodi. So we will come to those important pieces as well uh, later in our show. The most important and the most detailed description of Nilachal Shetra is covered in Utkal Khanda of Skandapuran. And this entire Utkal Desh, or uh, I would say the Sri Shetram, is divided into four parts. So, and these four parts are nothing but the four weapons of Sri Vishnu. We, have, we see the 400 Sri Vishnu holding four pieces of, uh, uh, you know, the Chakra, the Gada, the Padma, and the Shankha. So Puri is the Shankha Shetra. Konark, as we all know, the Sun Temple of Konark. Konark is the Padma Shetra. Bhuvneshwar, the temple city of Bhuvneshwar, also called the Kamra Shetra, is called the Chakra Shetra. Chakra means Sudarshan Chakra. Then we have the Jajpur. Uh, Jajpur is uh, the Mesh, Dada or Mesha Shetra. Now, Jajpur is also, let me tell you, one of the 51 Satipits. The Kyavan Satipito may say ek hai. And the importance of Jajpur gets uh, you know, multiplied two times uh, with two factors. One, that uh, Ma Sati's Nabi actually had dropped at this place. So it is called also Nabi Gaya. And why it is called Nabi Gaya? Because of this uh, confluence of, you know, Yogmaya and Mahavishnu. This place is so holy, Jajpur, that you can offer your, uh, you know, pind. Like we all know that Gaya is a place uh, where we can do the pindadan. But not many people know that Jajpur is also a place where pindadan can be done, you know, done. So typically, if we see today, there are four pieces of areas, uh, four areas or four places where Pindan can happen in India, Bharat, you know, the first one is, of course, uh, Gaya. The second one is Jajpur. Third one is Kurukshetra. Now, that's another important uh, piece. Kurukshetra, why Kurukshetra? So I'll briefly touch upon that. So Kurukshetra, after the war of Kurukshetra, the, you know, Sri Krishna and uh, Sri Krishna and uh, Samrat Yudhishthir, decided to offer the pind for the mukti of all those 4 million people who had lost their lives in the you know devastating war. So there's a place in Kurukshetra called Thewa. 
in feva they they had uh, you know done the pind uh, pindadan of all these uh, departed soul and from there onwards from that end of it's obviously as we all know it happened at the end of the dwapar yug so after that incident you know kurukshetra became a place where pindadan can be done and the fourth one fourth one is of course we all know is prayagraj so and then apart from these places another one very important place which is there is kendrapara the kendrapara district or the kendrapara place as a place it is the tulasi kshetra it is considered as the tulasi kshetra now although although shri kshetra kalinga or utkal for that matter was always extensively described in all our ancient scriptures its you know its sanctity its importance its significance everything has been mentioned but it was primarily if we look at the last 2000 or 1500 years of history uh, we will typically see there are you know three saints or three mahapurush who were actually responsible for reinforcing the importance the resurrection of uh, puri or the nilachal entire nilachal kshetra the first one obviously is jagadguru adi shankaracharya who not only established the four sankaracharya mats in the four corners of india and gave rise you know created the concept of the char dham so puri is obviously one dham then followed by badrikanarayan badrinarayan dwarika and triangam and jagadguru adi shankaracharya when he resurrected the puri temple from the hands of the buddhist he that time not only laid down the entire riti niti which is even today followed in the temple but also you know created the famous jagannath ashtakam the one which we we started the uh, presentation with that jagannath swami nana patagami bhavatume then came shri ramanujacharya so today if you see at the i will show you a pictures in our later show uh, you know the uh, temple top of puri the you know the amlaka and the kalas uh, that is which is the top of the temple in uh, temple architecture i am using the terms uh, more from a temple architecture the technical terms that i am using so if you see the temple top from a layman's point of view you will see the ramanuja tilak over there so that signifies the importance of what sri ramanujacharya did for this temple and uh, you know revisiting the riti nitis and also to uh, and also laid down his sects his mat the amar mat was there raghavdas mat there are some various mats which contribute to the various activities of the temple and we will discuss on them when we discuss more on ratyatra and then obviously the last person without whom puri would not have assumed this uh, you know proportions is shri you know shri krishna chaitanya bharti which is the dasnami uh, sampradaya name of chaitanya mahaprabhu or shri chaitanya that we know him so of course uh, he came during the bhakti movement and with him came a flurry of people a flurry of saints starting from kabir to gurunanak and uh, there are so many of them which came later on you know so sri chaitanya's uh, you know importance is immense when we discuss uh, the history of puri which we will keep come in the later episodes once again and i'm trying to give you a very you know uh, a very large scale or a very broad synopsis of what are the key factors uh, governing the history the political history the religious history of puri you know and how it has got transformed over a period of time so the pictures that you see in here is uh, the right side picture where you see the gajapati maharaj the current gajapati maharaj of purisa 
who is uh, brooming using a broomstick uh, of gold with the golden butt, uh, you know, uh, doing his seva on the chariot of uh, Jagannath Mahaprabhu. And on the left side, you see the Agya Mala that we see. Now, what is important, you see the umbrella that is being used. This, this umbrella has been in use for 1000 years, this kind of umbrella. So lot many pictures that I will share with you. If you closely look at them, you will see that the medieval India exactly in, in details, you know, you know, exists in Puri with in all its forms, with art, culture, architecture, everything. And the garland that you saw, see, it is called Agya Mala. Uh, so for any activity during Ratiyatra that you do, uh, the there is an Agya Mala, which is being or a permission garland, uh, and which signifies that Mahaprabhu Jagannath is giving a permission to this activity, is being taken and put on that particular activity's start point. Okay. So now the most important part, the uh, Puri city as a, or the Puri Jagannath temple, which is popularly known as Jagannath Dham, one of the four dhams of Bharatvarsh. Now the current structure of the Puri temple that you can see in front of your screen is, uh, you know, was a contribution from, again, the Eastern Ganga dynasty. Now the Eastern Ganga dynasty, as I said, you know, is the biggest contributor to the Kalinga history they contributed in forms of not only the Jagannath temple, but also the Konark Sun temple. Uh, you know, there are so many other temples also, which we will cover in details when we discuss the political and military history of Kalinga. So the shrine, this is a, it's a 12th century shrine and the exact year which uh, can be dated back is 1237 CE when it was commissioned and opened to the public by the Eastern Ganga dynasty ruler, Ananga Barman Bhimdev III. And the construction of this temple was started by his predecessor or Purva, you know, his ancestor, Anand Varavan Churagangadev. So typically it is said that it took around 70, 80 years to build this temple. But the current structure that you see is also a contribution of the subsequent Surya dynasty of Gajapatis, uh, Gajapati Kapalendra Dev, Rautre, Gajapati Purushottam Dev, or Gajapati, you know, Prataputra Dev and of course towards the end by the Marathas. So Marathas as we know that they have been contributing to almost all you know uh, dhams and all key you know places of worship of uh, the Sanatan Dharma. And if I have to go by the scriptures what is the importance of Jagannath Dham? So as I said the most important part of Jagannath Dham is the Mahaprasad and why it is a Mahaprasad because in Kali it is believed as per scriptures that Sri Krishna you know, eats in Puri. And when I say Sri Krishna, the, the concept of Brahma Padart or Brahma Bastu, which is of intense importance, uh, comes into discussion and people might be, the audiences might be thinking that, are we going to cover? No, we are not going to cover this in this episode because that's a very interesting piece. And we will cover that definitely for sure in our next episode in details. And I'm going to give you the entire history associated with that. Brahma Padat, what it actually is, and as per our scriptures, again, going by literary evidences as per, you know, and then how it boiled down to, uh, you know, the rituals that we follow today around Brahma Padat, how it is done, and how the uh, body gets changed of Sri Jagannath. That's very interesting, and we will have a completely uh, one episode dedicated to that. So, Typically, as I said, that Mahaprabhu Jagannath or Sri Krishna, embodiment of Sri Krishna or the Purushottam, you know, he eats in Jagannath Puri, so that is Mahaprasad. He sleeps in Badri Narayan, 
he does his finger in Dwarika, the Dwarika Dhish. And then, of course, he in Rameshwaram, he baths. Okay. So that is the very basic concept of Chartam. In four places, he does complete his four activities. Krishna completes his four activities. The other most important point and the most, uh, I think, the only temple in uh, Bharat Bhash today is where Chapan Bhog is prepared daily. So if you go to Ananda Bazar, the uh, premises within the Jagannath temple, you know, you will find Chapan Bhog being sold for the normal, uh, you know, the uh, devotees or the civilians every day. And it is being offered in, you know, various, uh, to various uh, rituals, riti riti, as we call them. And, uh, you know, that is available to, for consumption for the common man every day. Jagannath temple is technically called Sri Mandir. That is what we call Sri Mandir is again, why we call Sri because Mahalakshmi has a big presence in this temple. And she being the wife of Mahavishnu has a big role to play in this temple kitchen, the where, where Mahaprasad is prepared. The, it is believed that the Mahaprasad is prepared by no other than Sri Devi Mahalakshmi. Okay, so and and the preparation of the Mahaprasad is also an enormous technology, uh, something which is beyond science. I would say how it is prepared and how it gets prepared. And uh, the temple kitchen today uh, feeds almost around. I would say it's two lakh people it can feed in a day. Of course, not every day it feeds because it depends on the number of footfall, but it is capable of feeding two lakh people every day. You know, that, that, that is the beauty, that is the, you know, the sacredness of this. The most famous, of course, is the International Car Festival is a Ratyatra. The Ratyatra is technically called the Sri Kundicha Yatra because the temple from the Sri Mandir or the Jagannath temple uh, you know, we will cover it in our next slide. It goes to Sri Gundicha temple, which is the birthplace of Jagannath Mahaprabhu. You know, that's a big piece of history, which we will cover in our later episodes. So that Gundicha temple is named after Maharani Gundicha, who was the, you know, the chief uh, consort or queen of Maharaj Indra who, who, as per the scriptures, actually built this temple. And hence, if you see, uh, there are five sacred water bodies. The first and the most important is the Indradumna Sarovar. It was created when uh, Maharaj Indradumna with Narad and Brahma was doing the Ashwamed Yatka. So the Ashwamed Yatka, you know, from the, the horses standing there, they created such a crater or such a, you know, big place uh, or, a, you know, they dig it up so badly that, you know, they, they created the, the water created out of it. Is called Indradumna Sarovar, is one of the most sacred sarovars, which was blessed by Brahma and Narad themselves. Then comes the Narendra Sarovar, where the, you know, um, a lot of other festivals are associated with. Then there is Markandeya Sarovar. Now, this is very important piece, Markandeya Sarovar. Now, Maharshi Markandeya is Ashtam, you know, the Chiranjivi Purush, if, if we go by the Sanatan scriptures. And Markandeya, Mahashi Markandeya was saved by Bhagwan Shankar from Yamraj. So today, for the knowledge of our audiences, let me tell you, and nobody knows this, and that's why I'm using this forum to share this information, is it is here in this Sarovar, the temple, which hosts the Lingam, you know, it is from this Lingam, which broke open, and Bhagwan Shankar came out to save Mahashi Markandeya from the Yampash. 
So today, if you go and see that Lingam, if you happen to visit Puri someday, make it a point to go to Markandeya Sarovar and visit this temple, because it is here that Lingam still exists in that same form, as if it has burst open, you know, some, something has come out of it. It is exactly in that same form, and you can look through down to the earth. And of course, the Sarovar is there where Maharishi Markandeya, Maharishi Markandeya used to take a dip. Then there is Shweta Ganga, which is believed to be uh, created out of a stream of Ganga, and the Mahadodi, again, the Bay of Bengal. So if you are in Puri, you must have a bath in the ocean because that's defined in the scriptures, and it's extremely holy to take. It is as good as taking a bath in the Ganga. Ganga ji, ya Narmada mein aap log nahate honge, to, you know, it is as good as, uh, or as sacred as uh, taking a bath in Mahadodi. And as I said, Sri Khetra is the land of Mahadodi and Mahanadi. So in the Mahanadi piscine, the importance of Mahanadi, I'm going to explain to you in the later slides, has got a lot of history associated with it. Because the entire Mahanadi basin, which traverses the tract of Uttal or Kalinga, has a lot of important temples and with marvelous architectures and a lot of history associated with it which covers contributions from not only the Eastern Ganga dynasty, but from the Bhavakaras, the Somvanshis, the Gajapatis, uh, and all of them who have ruled, uh, you know, and of course the Jains and the Buddhists who have ruled Kalinga over a period of centuries, uh, for the last two centuries, three centuries, or even the, you know, last 2000 years for that matter. Now, as far as Puri is concerned, as I, you know, updated you that it is the Shankashetra or the conch, of Bhagwan Mahavishnu, and it the you know the geographical uh, shape of Puri, if we see it, it exactly resembles the shape of a conch, of which the total length of it is five crores, two crores is above the land, three crores is underwater. Okay, so the Puri town is actually of two crores, which is not very big. It's a small town for that matter. So that's that's a very big uh, or a very broad level overview of uh, Puri town and the temple and a bit of history around it. Then we go to the Ratyatra, which we were speaking about. So on my left, you can see the comparative picture. So this is the Rat, the second picture that you see, the Rat uh, or the chariot of uh, you know Jagannath Mahaprabhu and uh, the pictorial description of the various parts of a chariot you know it's very important people who who want to know what are these parts called who may be interested can use this slide uh, to understand the various parts of the rat and uh, you know uh, there is a lot of history associated with the construction of the rat so which will, will come a little later and i'll try to give you a very overview a very big overview of the rat yatra because first july the rat yatra is coming and this year after a gap of two years uh, the COVID restrictions have been withdrawn and we, I mean, around 15 to 20 lakh people are expected over there now. So that three, there are three chariots which are prepared for the three deities. So the name of the chariot for Sri Jagannath is called Nandi Ghosh, of Subhadra Mata is called Darpat Walan, and Sri Balram or Baldao, as we call him fondly, is Taladvaj. The chariots, as I said, it typically travels for 3.5 kilometers a stretch from Sri Mandi to Sri Gundicha temple, pulled by the devotees and the security guards. And the road on which it is pulled, it is in Uriya, it is called Baradanda. And in English, we know it as the Grand Road, which was typically honestly named by the British for that matter. It's an 11 days festival. 
uh, covering the length and breadth of Kalinga. It's a state holiday for them on those particular days. And let me give you a little, uh, a small snapshot of a little bit of very interesting history over here. Now this 3.5 kilometer stretch of road that you see today, 500 years back, or even 300 years back, you know, it was not a single stretch of road. It had a river flowing in between. Uh, there's a place uh, in this road, which is called Hospital Square, where uh, the city's biggest hospital is there. And the river used to flow uh, through this place. So in those days, we, we had actually two sets of chariot being prepared for each of the DTs. So what used to happen, and the road, of course, was a, was a Tacha road. It was uh, totally mud and, you know, used to rain uh, during the Ratiyatra, even it rains today. And obviously, there was to be a lot of mud. So only humans were unable to pull this very 45 feet, 47 feet tall chariots. So elephants were used extensively, okay? It's the same war elephants, which was earlier used in the times of Gajapati, uh, but later on normal trained elephants came in around the, when the British, early British period or early Maratha period, 17th century, 18th, 18th century, 19th century. So one elephant used to push the rat from the back and one elephant or two elephants used to pull them from the front or you know, putting their ropes around their necks. And these one set of chariot will take the DTs in front of the river, then they will cross by boat, and then they will again alight the second set of chariots, which will take them to the Sri Gundicha temple. So that, that's a very interesting history. And, and this, this history, if you visit, uh, there are many temples in uh, you know, Puri town, uh, which has uh, paintings, the Patachitras, the Uriya Patachitras, which is famous, which is again, another oldest form of art of uh, Bharatvarsh. Uh, this Patachitras will show you this activity, you know. So going to the making of the chariots. So the making of the chariots, technically it is called Ratha Kala. So how to Kala, the Kala to create the Rat, you know. And uh, you see the first picture, you know, it is. It was taken this year after the axles were joined to these huge wheels, and you see in front of the temple the three chariots lining up. So the chariot engineering has, you know, this is something one of the arts which today exists in India or Bharatvarsh, which has been passed on from generations by word of mouth from father to the son. You know, that's the beauty. Nobody will teach you. I, I personally have been visiting the, uh, you know, Rath Yatra for the last one decade or more now. And uh, believe me, when I see them closely, the engineering, the, the brake and clutch system, it is made in such a way that never ever it can go out of control. And it never does, actually. It will move for a certain distance and then the, you know, the brakes will come down. It is a huge wooden lock, you know, a horizontal piece of wood and very heavy and very thick in breadth. It will come down and hold the chariot. Again, it will be pulled up by the chain to a, uh, to a height so that the chariot can move. And then again, for moving for a certain distance, it will automatically come down. So this ensures that, you know, it doesn't go out of control, it doesn't speed up, because if that really happens, that is disaster, you know? But the beauty is nothing has happened till date. So the chariot engineers are typically called, you know, Maharanas, Bhoi Maharanas, Vishwakarma Maharanas, depending on their classification, their, you know, their classifications also available on the engineers. So the Bhoi Maharanas and work under the Maharanas, they have a particular set of activity defined for them. 
the Maharanas have a separate set of activities defined for them. And the Vishwakarma Maharanas are the chief architects, you can see, of today's, in today's parlance. The construction starts on uh, Dakshay Tritya. So just before Akshay Tritya, the logs starts arriving, you know, and the logs, uh, you know, on Akshay Tritya, three selected logs for the three chariots, you know, demarketing for the three chariots are being worshipped and Agya Mala is given. And then the construction of the chariot starts from the very, very, you know, very day of Akshay Tritya. The chariots, uh, if we go by our scriptures, the chariots, uh, you know, with, uh, with all its wooden parts, joints, and everything resembles a human body, and Sri Jagannath is the Atman sitting on it. So just like our human body is the heart, or the Atma sits on the heart, so the Rath has Jagannath, Balabhatra, and Subhadra sitting as the Atman on the chariots. And trust me, you know, after the Rathyatra is over, and they are being, uh, they alight and go inside the temple back, it really the the empty chariots that those day in those days you know really looks like a dead body you know without as if it has lost everything of it out of it. This signifies and again purushottam bringing back the concept of purushottam the connection of the soul to the supreme soul or purushottam, like you know the what we call in Sanatan scriptures is then daitvabhav advaitvabhav both of them leading to the you know connection with the supreme soul you know the brahman and uh, be it the vaishnava tattva be it the shaiva tattva be it the matri tattva everything actually culminates and shows you the unification of the soul to the supreme soul post closure of ratyatra i keep receiving a lot of questions around this point so i thought i will just clarify uh, in this platform that post closure of ratyatra the parts of the chariot, some of them, particularly the wheels, I would say, are being sold out. Many temples source the wheels from Jagannath Puri Temple Administration. A lot of hotels, five-star hotels, put them on display with, with due respect. And uh, the rest of the parts are dismantled and used in the Sri Mandir for cooking of Mahaprasad. Then uh, it, is, it is but amply required to share a few words on the Mahaprasad. And as you can see, so again, these pots that you see in which Mahaprasad is, uh, you know, kept, these are the same pots and in the same manner how it is offered uh, to Bhagwan Vishnu or Sri Jagannath and to Mahabhimala uh, for their consumption. And then it is taken out. The, this, this, this picture is exactly taken after the Mahaprasad was taken out of the temple for, uh, you know, for consumption and distribution. And this is how it is typically served inside the temple on a banana leaf in this manner. Of course, there are so many items, as I said, 56 chappan bhog plus other cereals, uh, rice, and all types of rice. You know, there's so much of them. And, uh, you know, the beauty that every time everybody keeps telling me, and I have also experienced myself, that this much, as you see, let me tell you, this is sufficient enough for consumption of three people. You know, this little food will fill you, will fill you up so heavy that, you know, you'll, you'll feel that, oh, I had this much of little. So that's the beauty of Mahaprasad. And that is why it is able to feed two lakh people in a day. You have this much, but you start feeling so full. The Prasad becomes, this is very important for everybody to know that the moment it is offered to Jagannath Mahaprabhu, it doesn't become a Mahaprasad. It is just a Prasad. It becomes a Mahaprasad when it is offered to Mahabhimala, one of the, you know, 
sati feats which which is located inside the temple and a manifestation of devi durga or yogmaya sri krishna's sister and then only it becomes the mahaprasad so that's the beauty so when you say mahaprasad it means it is actually being offered to mahabimla after being offered to jagannath mahaprabhu and then taken out and served to the people Mahaprasad is something you know. I have I have I have seen in my life. You know, it is it never degenerates. I mean, it stays there for four days, five days, seven days, and it can be partaken by anybody, irrespective. Once it is taken out of the temple, it can be taken out, consumed by anybody, irrespective of caste, creed, color. And let's say I have taken some a little more quantity, and I have not been able to consume. Somebody will come and consume it. It's very good for consumption. It is not. considered as half consumed or normally uh, you know what we uh, say that you know you should not have the leftover and all that but it is not that way it is rather the other way around if you can have that leftover it is believed that so scriptures that if a devotee has offered you mahaprasad that's one act of kindness and too much of sacred and the second is uh, if you have had it and if you give it to somebody else that is also equally important as per uh, skanda puran uttal parva uh, shri krishna and arjun has visited at the end of dwapar yug uh, when it is not known but it is being mentioned and they had consumed mahaprasad and as i was mentioning the area inside the temple you know this called ananda bazar which sells mahaprasad and why it is called ananda bazar because moment you have mahaprasad it is believed that a soul is so uh, is so immersed in ecstasy is so immersed in devotion and bhakti and and a supreme joy that overtakes him gives the name of ananda bazar jahan se anand milta hai jis prasad ko paane se anand milta hai so that's all about it i complete my presentation with this and with these eyes uh, which is called chakanayan and these eyes are the most important part of the entire dt and we will get into the more detailed significance and breakdown of the classification of these eyes why it is so important what is the what is the sanctity of these eyes in our next slides and uh, i hope with these slides you have been able to get a fair understanding at a very broad level of puri of kalinga and the shushetram why it is important what is the sanctity why one should visit once in a lifetime and why one should have a mahaprasad or if you are that blessed have a darshan of the ratyatra so with this i will close my uh, presentation and uh, open up to any questions from the audience you uh, in the end of your presentation you just mentioned how shri krishna uh, went to puri and partook the mahaprasad but my understanding from my limited knowledge is that from his nabhi from his navel shri jagannath was born he absolutely was right absolutely so how, right how does absolutely. that make so, uh, so, i'm not able to make sense of it sorry no uh, no that's okay i will explain you the chronology of events in a very uh, you know a short this thing uh <clears throat> so shri krishna passed away if you look at all the scriptures shri krishna passed away 36 years after the uh, mahabharat war exactly 36 years okay and uh, when i say that towards the end of dapar yug means 
it would be possible after the if you look at uh, you know uh, mahabharat veda versus mahabharat after the war samrat yudhishthir becomes samrat yudhishthir and uh, does ashwamedh yagya so during this time uh, you know i am not sure if you are aware but uh, if you dwell a little depth in little depth you will see shri krishna travels extensively with the pandavas before they do this ashwamedh yagya so during this time you know during this time to add on to another piece of history and very interesting for all our audience and everybody present here is pandavas did visit parashuram parashuram the abode of parashuram is mahendragiri that we all know and mahendragiri is located in the gajapati district of orissa it is this place where pitama bhishma was trained it is at this place where karna was trained and it is this place where pitama bhishma and guru parashuram fought over amba and before they left uh, before uh, you know after the war and uh, you know when parashuram's uh, i would say uh, importance uh, was restricted you know shri krishna had told uh, the pandavas to visit parashuram and that is when they came around this place in the entire utkal region or uttar pradesh i would say and not only that they visited puri and took mahaprasad they all, but they also uh, did go to the gajapati district of mahendragiri and that's why if you if you look at mahendragiri today it has temples built by the pandavas very ancient temples you know and uh, they still uh, do stand there tall and strong although puja is not happening but it does, does there so i don't know if i have been able to answer your question or not but this is how the chronology of events happened uh yeah actually my question was and i'm sorry i'm thinking like a mere mortal out here is that if shri jagannath was born out of uh, shri krishna's navel then how come shri krishna came to that mandir to have mahaprasad is my question because because shri krishna visited visited jagannath puri as i said much before his death after the war and there was a span of 36 years which which was there in between the war and before he passed out and during this 36 years the ashwamedh yagya happened he had traveled extensively with the pandavas to various kingdoms and after all these things you know he passed away in dwarka and he his navel did not burn and it floated around to the utkal and that is when all the you know concept of nilamadhav came in and all that thing happened yeah i'm actually thinking how did his navel be worshiped at the same time as well as he existed no it was not it, it was not worshiped at the same time because he passed away 36 years after the mahabharat war in and cremated in prabhas and uh, the the story of uh, you know the story of nilamadhav starts from there actually so uh, his navel being worshiped as nilamadhav starts after the mahab you know after he passes away but you said that the mahaprasad can only be called mahaprasad after its offer to shri jagannath and then um, ma bimla right so shri jagannath shri jagannath has been in uh, you know has been worshiped you know this is this is the beauty actually and the mystery and today which uh, many people are still researching and trying to understand from the scriptures till from what time you know jagannath exists so the concept of jagannath can be as i said comes from rigveda and over the uh, period of history if you see jagannath has been worshiped by the tribals also so they 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 call him the tree god kitung so the form today that you see a lot of retinities that you see in the temple are also related to the tribals the daitapatis who are the chief servitors during the rath yatra the one month uh, these people normally manage mahaprabhu they actually you know uh, are the descendants of this tribal lord vishwavasu 
So uh, to sum up uh, to your answer is, you know, he has been in existence for time memorial. Of course, uh, the concept of Rinawada from which Jagannath comes in, this is a story, but actually, if you ask me from my personal experience, I would say he was there, worshipped in various forms across India, or rather uh, limited to Uttal. But yes, it took a much more concrete form uh, through this story, uh, through this, you know, precedence of events from uh, the end of closure of Mahabharata. My question is on the Buddhist background of the Jagannath temple. Some people say it was a Buddhist shrine. So what are the Buddhist aspects of the uh, place? So, uh, as I said uh, at the starting of my presentation, you know, uh, Buddhism has ruled, uh, both Buddhism and Jainism has ruled uh, Kalinga to a great extent to, to a, for a large amount of period. And uh, if I, if you had heard me, I had also mentioned that, you know, when uh, Jagat Guru Adi Shankaracharya had resurrected the temple, the Riti Nitis, he had also recovered the Brahma Bastus or Brahma Padat, uh, which were hidden in Chilka, uh, buried, and, you know, replaced them in the temple altar. You know, these, these were done uh, in an era when Buddhism was at its peak, Tantric Buddhism was at its peak. Um, the militant Buddhism also, uh, to some extent, was at its peak, and Buddhist uh, Buddhism was occupying some many of our temples. To be very honest, and that is, if you see Jagat Guru Adi Shankaracharya's life, you will see that uh, scriptural dwells that he used to have with them. A lot of them were, you know, Buddhist scholars, and in that process, he was able to convert many Buddhist scholars back into the fold of Sanatan Dharma. So that's one part of it. The second part is that. You know, uh, we if we look at the military history and the political history of Kalinga, uh, defeating them in 261 BCE and then taking over. And we all know how Ashoka was responsible for spreading Buddhism throughout the length and breadth of Bharatvarsh. So Kalinga was not beyond it. And today, if you go to Kalinga, you have the Udagiri and Khandagiri caves between uh, Puri and, you know, uh, Bhavneshwar. And if, if these are nothing but Buddhist caves, and which has and throughout Kalinga, you still have a lot of Buddhist, uh, you know, architectural evidences, archaeological evidences available even now in forms of monasteries, in forms of caves, in forms of, uh, you know, some bit of in temple. Now, as far as the Jagannath temple is concerned, as on date, many scriptures indicate that to be very candid, that it was built on, uh, you know, on a Buddhist shrine. No, it was not built on a Buddhist shrine. The shrine was itself a uh, Hindu shrine, which was taken over by the Buddhists, but Jagat Guru Adi Shankaracharya only resurrected it. That's one part. And that is why one of the reasons I would say, you know, uh, the concept of Jagannath, you know, is so dynamic, you know, it's so varied that it, it appeals to the Vaishnava Tattva, it appeals to the Shaiva Tattva, it appeals to the Shakti Tattva, as well as to the Buddhist and the Jain, Jains. I, I have still now been not able to figure out honestly, uh, what, what is the relation to Jainism, but from Buddhist, they, many of the Buddhist scholars even today feel that the Brahma Bhastu or the Brahma Padarth is nothing but Buddha's teeth. Whereas uh, the, the people who are the Vaishnavas, the, as far as Vishnu Tattva, it is believed it is Sri Krishna's navel, as rightly said by Adityji. Many people think it is Sri Krishna's heart, but no, it is, if you look by scriptures, it is not the heart. The Shaiva Tattva, the Shiv, Shiva, Shiva's Tattva's they, they understand it to be Shiva's hair, you know, that's one part of it. The Shakti Tattva, of course, is there and which is not mixed with Jagannath Tattva, 
but ma bimla being there which is one of the 51 sati peeps considered to be sati peeps is the presence of shakti tattva and that is why most importantly you know many of the riti nitis particularly the ones which take place in the evening time still his uh, sleep uh, when geeta govinda is sung to him and he goes to sleep those are tantric riti nitis you know i don't know how many people know about it but lot of tantric riti nitis also currently do have is being followed in jagannath mahaprabhu's temple and that is also one of the reasons that you know although it's a it is followed by vaishnav tattva the temple runs on more or less on a vaishnav tattva sacrifice of animals is not done inside the temple and it is being uh, taken out uh, you know outside the temple during the dashera or the you know uh, times of durga puja in both times of the year in both the you know navratras that we observe uh, this uh, animal sacrifice happens in kuakai devi temple which is just opposite to the singhadwar and is a direct embodiment of bimla devi and that is why it is being observed outside the temple so that's again another tantric uh, process which is being followed but followed outside of the temple but internally also there are certain rituals which assemble that so on a whole i would sum up you know it's a very beautiful uh, concept or a very beautiful assimilation of buddhism shaiva tattva jainism and you know vishnu tattva shakti tattva everything into that can i just get a, another clarification yeah yeah please go ahead was it the mahayana or the hinayana which is known as theravada uh, which was prevalent one two Buddh- number of corollary questions to that buddhism does not believe in especially mahayana in temple worship the of the type that the sanatan dharma believes in so how come that question thirdly shankaracharya was shaivite ramanujacharya and madhavacharya were vaishnavites so how come shankaracharyas established a dham with a vaishnava symbol and uh, corollaries to that actually there are many corollary yeah if you could just clarify that yeah sure i will try to i am not a buddhist uh, buddhism expert but i will uh, just uh, that's why i will take the last question at the uh, first one so if you look at the temple top the ramanujacharya tilak is there it comes into existence post ramanuja's visit and his revisits to the temple with inities that is point number 1 point number 2 jagadguru adi shankaracharya if you look at his life history he has resurrected a lot of places of worship both of all the sects shaivite vaishnavite or even shakti he has resurrected the jyotishar peeth where which lies to through his yogic powers which lies in the middle of the kurukshetra war in haryana today he has you know resurrected badrinath rishikesh he also did his bit in kashi he did it in gaya and he has done it in jajpur and in puri so he was an uh, embodiment of sadasiv so i think you know going by this uh, you know although his his life is dedicated to vedic dharma uh, to the reestablishment of the vedas you know and all that but if i look at his Uh, life history look at his, his activities it is spread and it cuts across all the sects and primarily establishes the the sanatan dharma 
which was almost uh, diluted by Buddhism and Jainism at that point of time. And then most importantly, from a historical perspective, probably being an Avtar Purush, he knew what is going to hit India, the Islamic invaders. So, you know, today, if, if you ask me as a researcher of history, you know, I would say that if one of the reasons why Bharat Varsh survived the onslaught of the Turks, the Arabs, the Ilbari Turks and Mughals and, or even the British, it is because of Jagadguru Adi Shankaracharya's establishment of the four months of the four Vedas, Vedic centers and his propagation of Sanatan Dharma to every nook and corner and building up that base. So that answers your third question. So I hope I've been able to distinguish between, you know, the what, why Jagadguru Shankaracharya established all the maths and how a Vaishnava, uh, you know, Tattva comes into the picture. So, you know, after the Nilamadav, uh, you know, episode, Jagannath temple primarily gets into a Vaishnava mode. But yes, as I said, it has been an assimilation over centuries and centuries of various cultures mixing. So Jagannath, as it stands today, is an assimilation of various this thing. You know, the Riti Nitis, Vaishnava, Shakti, everything. So it's, it's very dynamic and very difficult to understand at the beginning. And as you get more into it and more into it, you will slowly start understanding the differentiation. Now, coming to the second and first question, uh, Nand Kumarji, you know, I'm not a Buddhist expert in Buddhism, Mahayana, Mahayana and, you know, the other sects, uh, but, and I have not, you know, looked at history from that angle where I can confirm to you that whether it was Mahayana or, you know, non-Mahayana sects or the other sects, but all that I can tell you that, yes, it was, I mean, the history that I explained that Buddha's truth is believed to be the Brahma Vastu. And, uh, you know, it was under Buddhist uh, occupation and Jagadguru Adi Shankaracharya, you know, resurrected it. That much I can confirm you. That was a wonderful uh, explanation of things that, uh, we, although we have seen the temple, but we didn't know so many things. So that, that was great. Uh, I have a couple of very basic questions. It looks very different uh, here in Jagannath than wherever we have seen Sri Krishna and Balram and Subhadra. First, uh, this I think this is the only uh, big temple where uh, Sri Krishna is with his brother and his sister instead of Radha. Yes. And the deities look very different and I believe they are made, made out of wood. Yes. So could Neem. you tell a little Neem bit? Wood. Neem wood. Neem wood. Okay. Yes. Daru Brahma. That we call him Daru Brahma. Okay. And I think it is uh, rebuilt after every few Nabakalebar. That, that yeah. process is called Nabakalebar which happens at a gap of 8, 12 or 19 years. So how come the uh, date, like this kind of deities, uh, how were they created? Do you have any idea? Yeah, if we, uh, I mean, uh, it's not any political or military history, but it is as per our scriptures that whatever I'm going to tell you. So there are primarily two stories that are associated for this form of these uh, deities. The first one dates back uh, to Dwarika when mother Devki, Devki, Dev, Krishna is also known as Devki Nandan, Yashoda Nandan. So Yashoda and Devki jointly visits Dwarika and they were talking to the wives of Krishna, particularly the three main uh, consorts, Satyabhama, Jambavati and Rukmini. In fact, yesterday was the Rukmini Viva. I mean, a symbolic Viva because that was the day uh, or yesterday being Bhima Ekadashi. You know, that was the day when uh, Rukmini was picked up, you know, by Sri Krishna. So it goes like this, you know, uh, they, they wanted to hear Sri Krishna's Vrindavan Lila with the gopis. 
that why it is so famous, why it is so special about the gopis, why Krishna is immersed still in the gopis, he, that at times he forgets us. So it is then Yashoda Mata starts delivering his speeches and tells them, close the doors, close the doors, because if, if it goes outside the doors, it can create catastrophic results. So close the doors and then only I will tell you the story. So he then starts, she then starts explaining the entire Leela of Sri Krishna with the gopis and what all he did in Vrindavan till the age of 11. Okay. And uh, by that time, the three brothers and uh, all, all three of them, Krishna, Subhadra and Balram, they were crossing that room and somehow they overheard. And the moment they overheard their leelas with the gopis, they were immersed in absolute ecstasy. Okay. And it was so, such a, uh, so much of enormous effect on Krishna hearing about his leelas with the gopis that his body parts started melting. This is something we see in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also, which I will tell you along with this as well to make it an interconnection. Why is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu called Sri Krishna Chaitanya Vati? The avatar of Sri Krishna in Kaliyu. They start, the body starts melting for all three of them. And they just close their eyes and start listening to them. And by the time somebody, uh, you know, makes out from that inside the room that somebody is standing outside the room and they open the doors and see the three, three of them standing half, you know, melted. Their legs have melted, their hands have melted, their eyes have melted. And they are, you know, uh, petrified of what will happen, what happened and all that stuff. Then at that point of time, Narad Muni arrives there and he starts, uh, you know, expressing enormous joy that Prabhu ki lila parampar hai. Prabhu, ye is roop ka mein kya karu? Ye to anokha roop aapne le liya, you know, how, how will I that? Then he blesses Narad that I will be worshipped in this form, three of us, in Kali in Nilachal Shetra. So you can come and have a darshan. So till today, it is believed that three people uh, visit the Jagannath temple, three Parampurush or Vibhishan, Hanuman and Narad. They regularly or every day they visit uh, Jagannath, uh, that is believed. So this is one story, you know, from where this shape or this form comes. The other story, probably we will cover in our next uh, episode, where uh, Maharaj Indradimna, after collecting the Daru Brahmas, uh, you know, uh, puts them inside a room where Vishwakarma or, uh, you know, some say it is Lord I mean, Mahaprabhu Narayan himself comes and starts as a carpenter starts working on that. And he says that don't open the room till I open and come out. But on the 15th day, when no sound was coming out of the room, you know, Maharani Gundicha was so anxious, so, so impatient that she pressurized Maharaj Indradamna to open the room. And as they opened the room, they saw this half, half sculpted figures, you know, and then they broke down, realized their mistake. But then, you know, Mahaprabhu told them that this is the form I want to be worshipped in. And I will tell you the retinities of this form, you know, how it has to be worshipped. And that is when he told uh, to bring up the Gundicha temple in remembrance of Maharani Gundicha. And he will go for Rathayatra once in a year. And that is also why uh, one of the thoughts associated with Rathayatra is that Krishna goes back to Vrindavan to meet his Gopikas, you know. So this, these are the two uh, largely, uh, you know, available stories for this form. Namaste Suryaji, Namaste. First of all, thank you so much uh, and huge compliment and congratulations to you. This, this presentation literally gave me goosebumps because 
somebody uh, born in puri brought up in bhubneswar this i mean stories i'm brought up with uh, somebody presenting in a forum like sangam uh, uh, tax uh, it feels really nice thank you thank you so much mera mera aho bhagya ki aapne mera qadar kiya aur ek puri se janm liya hua bande ka maine darshan hua namaskar my pleasure my pleasure namaskar uh, with this uh, with a due permission there are a couple of question which have been asked here uh, is it okay if i add my perspective into it i mean of course with your permission absolutely 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 mahaprabhu uh, jagannath is everybody's everybody can you know <laughs> thank you he he accepts everybody in whatever form you ask for so please go ahead thank you thank you so the uh, first the question was from nandakumar ji about which form of uh, buddhism it was existing that time in uh, odisha so odisha is known as the land from where tantra buddhayan which is the tantric sect of buddhism and vajrayan uh, another sect of uh, buddhism uh, has born out of uh, especially places like tarapur and uh, uh asia hills now uh, huge excavation happened uh, 10 years back there kesat uh, pandal uh, have been uh, excavated so probably those two sects uh, were there that time prosperous prospering in uh, odisha and also to add it was never like not, not a black and white line like uh, to certain point it was a buddhist temple from the, like some propaganda video i was seeing the other day saying that it has been no, demolished no, the buddhist temple was, been, no, yeah, no it was yeah, not a buddhist exactly, temple exactly. it was just taken over exactly. by the buddhist and uh, as i said that it was not only shri jagannath temple it was there were yes, many yes, other yes. hindu temples which were yes. taken over by them but the best part is that they does not discredit the temple architecture or the structure yes, for yes, that matter yes, yes, they just worshiped yes. in their own way yes yes and exactly. uh, and that is why jagadguru shankaracharya you know if you look at his life you know he not only uh, defeated in the scriptural wars that he had with them and brought back the sanctity of sanatan dharma brought back the sanctity of the vedas and reestablished and not only that but the few be- most beautiful part is that he reconverted a large portion of these buddhist monks you know the the leaders very big buddhist monks i would say you know into the fold of sanatan dharma and they they became some of his very close disciples uh, are actually uh, you know converts from buddhism if you really uh, read his life history exactly exactly also adding to that at that time also it was not exactly like you know somebody have been converted to buddhism and somebody somebody it's a pure hindu uh, there are mixed culture and uh, mixed yes. practices yes yeah uh, absolutely right absolutely right if you see the right. taradarini temple which is in near to brahmapur barampur the city two deities tara tarini one from the hindu one known to be the hindu goddess of sea another one known to be the buddhist goddess of sea were uh, worship together so this is one and other one is lately you can see buddhist culture was not i mean gone down and then the westernized culture came it was accommodated into the greater sanatana form absolutely. of worshiping absolutely. now and absolutely. that's absolutely. why absolutely yeah absolutely and uh, going to the another uh, question which has been asked like uh, how if it is the novel of sri krishna how it was i mean uh, how the so this this theory is one theory again going with jagannath culture if you will say not the vaishnavite culture not the saivite culture the, the culture as you very rightly said is a amalgamation of many theories many culture many sects absolutely uh, even the morning stuti purushottam stuti which is being recited uh, to the deities every day goes like if i am pronouncing it correctly muninang hansa tattvam harihara nimittam for somebody it is hansa tattva for somebody it is harihara amalgamation of harihara harihara nimittam sripati vaishtavanam for vaishtava he is vishnu 
Saivanam Vairavaksham Pasupati Titi for Saivas, he is Vairava and Pasupati. That's Sakta Tatwaja Sakti. Sakta for Sakta, he is Sakti. Correct. Bodhanam Buddha Rupam for Bodha is Buddha. Even Jayadalas, ninth Avatar is Buddha. Right. So that is why I said that, you know, uh, if you look at the Brahmavastu's, uh, you know, uh, acceptance uh, to the Vaishnavite, it is Sri Krishna's novel, to the Shaivite, it is Bhagavan Shankar's hair, to the Buddhist, it is the Buddha's teeth, you know, and yes, then there yes, is exactly. Mahabhimla, which is a Satipit, yes. and, you know, a tantric, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Tantric, uh, tantric, these things are coming in. And you are absolutely right, Samyaji in stating that uh, Buddhism was accommodated into the folds of Sanatan Dharma. Because if you typically see and read Buddha's original sermon, because it has got so much diluted today, and look at Buddha's original sermons, uh, I, I, uh, you know, the term, I'm forgetting the technical term that's been used for that. Lot of it makes a lot of it has a great resemblance with uh, Sri Krishna's Srimad Bhagavad Gita, the celestial song, okay? lot many of them has got a lot of resembles, resemblance and that is why uh, you see uh, particularly uh, in eastern india you know uh, the the uh, concept of buddhism and uh, sanatan dharma is so closely knit that even in gaya even in a place like gaya uh, you know there are so many buddhist centers there are so many main distinct uh, places of sacredness if you go to kashi then also there is a lot of places related to Buddhism uh, in and around Kashi, where, which you can see with great uh, military importance, political importance, archaeological importance, and of course, religious importance. So it is absolutely right in saying that assimilation of a lot of faiths and, uh, you know, and, but one thing I would definitely say and add on over here is the concept of Nilamada or the story of uh, the history of Nilamada that is being done uh, to the various scriptures is the most uh, widely accepted theory of Jagannath Mahaprabhu and uh, because it is it is this theory which exists or being uh, you know, referred in our ancient scriptures most of the times and the and the uh, existence of Nilamadhav in the Mahanadi Basin in Kantilo you know is also an indicator to the fact so I would say uh, it has got a sign archaeological significance and historiography also associated and coupled with literary evidences actually makes it a little more stronger than the other theories which exist uh, for Jagannath's uh, coming into being. I have a couple of questions. Firstly, you mentioned about the chariots resembling the human body. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned how the placing of the Bhagavan is the soul. Yeah. Other than that, does it resemble the human body in other ways? No, it is actually, I will cover that in my later episodes. Uh, it is believed that uh, we, we, the human body has 206 or 225 bones, right? So the chariot also has an equal number of joints and equal number of, you know, uh, pieces of logs used to build up the entire structure. So that's how sure. it is being compared with the human body. And Jagannath Mahaprabhu is nobody but the Parabrahma, the Purushottam, the Supreme Soul himself, okay? Sri Krishna. Sri Krishna was the Sol Solakala Avishist. Uh, Mahavishnu's complete avatar and there's nobody bigger than Sri Krishna in Vaishnav Tattva. So Sri Krishna sitting over there in the chariot is resembling the Atman, you know, and that is where the connection of the Atma to the Purushottam or to the Supreme Soul or to the Brahman is being signified over there. There's no other, uh, no other explanation apart from this. 
I saw this somewhere on a YouTube video, so I don't know if it has any bearing on the truth. So I'm asking you, um, somebody said that the flag atop the Puri Jagannath temple, firstly, it has to be changed daily and it is done manually where people climb it up. Um, it's such a risky climb and has that always been done? And how does it compare to, I don't know, are there other temples in our tradition across the various traditions we have in India under Sanatan Dharma where that's done? Um, the second question is, they said the flag um, characteristically flies in the direction opposite to the wind. Is there any truth to that? Absolutely. Uh, everything that you said is truth. First of all, to answer your question, being a Sanatani, one must know that the dhwaja atop the top has to be changed every day. It has to be changed every day uh, because that is, that is one of the main retinities of any temple of Sanatan Dharma as per any Shaivite Shakti. Shakti Peet, Shaiva Peet, or a Vaishnav Peet, okay? So in those lines, this activity also happens daily in the afternoon, late afternoon, around four o'clock in uh, the Jagannath Temple in Puri. The people, now, interestingly, there are some 120 plus category of servitors or sevayats who are performing various duties in the temple. So one of them is the Chunara Sevak. The Chunara Sevak's duty for generations, as I said, just like the Ratiyatras, you know, Maharanas and Bhoi Maharanas, these all activities, you know, passes on from the father to son. And the Chunar Sevaks are no exception to that. So the Chunar Sevaks are trained from the age of 10 how to climb, you know, that those Amlaka. It is so, such a risky climb, but they're so adept, so adept that never in the history Never in Madalapaji we find any reference of any mishap a Chunara Seva falling down. No, it has never happened. They are experts in that. And they're so expert that they can uh, climb up even in the most heaviest of the rains. Okay. This is point number two. Point number three, there's a huge relevance to the Sri Dhwaja. This is, the, don't call it a flag. You should call it Sri Dhwaja. Everything that you quote to Sri Jagannath Temple, you should uh, use the word Sri because of Mahalakshmi's presence over there. Sri Dhwaja. Sri Dhwaja has a huge relevance in Sanatan Dharma. If you keep it at your home, you are safe. You are protected. Protected. I mean, I, I also have it. Many people have it. Many devotees have it. So it's very sacred, actually. Secondly, it as you said that, you know, if I have to speak to, about the Dhwaja, I have to speak about a Nila Chakra, the Sudarshan Chakra, which, which I will also explain. That is also a very beautiful uh, connection to the Mahabharat, uh, Sarala Das's Mahabharat, the local Uriya version of Mahabharat, which is there. So I'll come uh, mention that in the next episode, how beautiful uh, that is and how it was replaced and you know how it has been done. So that that Chakra, you know, resembles Sudarshan Chakra. Okay. And it is believed that no birds should sit on it. And the Sri Dhwaja should not be damaged by fire, wind, or any other natural calamities. Because if it does happen, because any of these things happening is actually a signal for the entire world for a disaster that is coming up. And it is actually listening. I don't know if you people have heard about Bhavishya Malika, uh, the the sermons of Maharshi Achyutananda Das, you know, and his uh, four other, this, uh, you know, friends that is typical, they are 
famously known as the Panchasakhas, who have written down some 17,000 volumes of lakhs and lakhs of slokas describing the future of Kali Yuga and how this world will end and how it will be uh, you know, transforming into the Sati Yuga. And today that we see that many instances which are happening in Sri Jagannath Temple, starting from the pandemic, starting from the death of General Rawat, starting from the cyclones hitting Puri and the rest of India, everything, before everything, either a bird's uh, one day ahead, a bird sits, a barge or a eagle sits on the Nila Chakra or the Dwaja catches fire or it is being blown away by the wind. And then something bad happens to the entire world. So before the second wave of uh, the devastating second wave of pandemic came in, came in the Dwaja caught fire. Before General Rawat uh, was killed in a chopper crash, a barge sat on the, you know, on the chakra. So every time when it happens, it does happen, you know, it does bring in a doomsday for everybody. And then there are uh, stories which I will tell you, uh, you know, which one should everybody should know, or rather let me use this forum to tell this story here only. The 1999 super cyclone, where Orissa was devastated and 30,000 people had lost their lives. Now, this is a story that I have heard from people who had actually seen it happening. It happened at 11 o'clock in the night in the temple, just ahead of the day when around 5.36 in the morning, the cyclone had to make the landfall in Puri. And uh, the people at 11 o'clock in the night, very few servitors or survivors who were there, senior people, see very senior people, they saw a blue light, a blue light going out like a bullet, a jyoti, Neil jyoti coming out from the Sudarshan chakra and going out towards the sea. And, you know, the beauty is the landfall which was to happen in Puri, the entire cyclone was diverted and Kendrapara bore the brunt of it, where 30,000 people lost their lives. But this time, when in 2020, when the super cyclone, uh, funny and the super cyclone, uh, you know, the other name I'm forgetting, they they back to back hit Puri. This time it was not diverted because one day ahead of the uh, cyclone making a landfall, the Dwaja was either burnt or it was blown away by the wind. So that, I mean, these incidences, these details that I shared with you can help you understand the importance of these places. Thank you so much. I just have one more little bit. Sorry to bother you. Um, you, you mentioned earlier in your presentation, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, Madalpaji. What is Madalapaji. Madalapaji, Madalapaji is nothing but the written chronicles of the Sri Mandir. It starts or dates back to 800 CE, from 800 CE till date, whatever has happened in this temple, whosoever has contributed, whosoever has invaded, who has, you know, any, any special, uh, you know, addition to the temple, every bit of history is captured over there. So today, if you have to, uh, look at the 18 invasions that happened on Jagannath Temple. We know that Somnath was invaded for 17 times. Although Professor Sita Ram Goel and Professor Ram Gopal Mishra uh, declines that theory and makes it 12 times because the Arabic and Persian historians normally has a tendency of exaggerating things. Uh, but 12 times even then, Jagannath Temple is still 18 times and it is not taught in history. Even lot many Uriyas doesn't know that 18 times it was invaded. And this description of these 18 times, who invaded, what was the amount of damage, what quantum uh, happened, what all happened, everything is captured in this Madalapaji. It is the written chronicles, it is the written dictionary or a vocabulary of all historical activities, political, military, religious, everything uh, in that. So if anything, anybody has to refer, and it is in Oriya, it is not available in Hindi and English, 
it is only and only in pure urea and uh, you know uh, anything anyone uh, wanting to refer to the history of jalana temple can refer to it in fact it does capture the addition of various structures into the jalana temple so today's structure that you see is a contribution not only from the eastern ganga dynasty but from the gajapatis and from the marathas as well shankaracharya was around 700 something 730 40 uh ramanujacharya was around 1100 something 34 absolutely right and madhavacharya was around 1300 something right so the if ramanujacharya with vishishtadvaita influenced uh, puri the madhavacharya thereafter in 1300 would have also contributed something absolutely we have much uh, we have much sir we have much uh, you know today in puri uh which were built by almost all mahapurushas uh, you know mahavatars uh, visiting puri you have the guru nanak math you have kabir math you have mr math by ramanujacharya you have the madhavacharya math every everybody's presence is there and as i said that jagannath puri uh, mahaprabhu's riti neetis is an amalgamation of lot of uh, lo- i mean a contribution by everybody so uh, it is there i mean it is there definitely